0: This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website and because each person is so unique. All listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved.
1: You're listening to the We're Not Fine Podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson.
2: Why, hello, friends.
0: Why, hello, Talia. (laughs) How are you
2: today? I really feel like my intros are getting cheesier and cheesier. We need like a good tagline intro and then like a sign-off. Maybe it's like a handshake or something.
0: Or maybe we just talk about (laughs) cheese because I love cheese. Who doesn't love cheese?
2: That's literally my favorite subject.
1: The High Cholesterol Podcast.
2: <laughs> That's
0: fair. That's really fair.
2: Blink twice and you'll have a Colby pack on your butt. No? Um. Guess what I just did. You'll never guess. Uh, no, nope, you're wrong.
0: No? Okay. All oh, right.
2: wow. That was a really good guess, but no, I not even close. I, I just went with my family. We drove two hours out to Wisconsin and we went on an owl prowl and it was one of the funniest experiences of my life.
0: Sweet. (laughs) I've had a couple owl experiences. Tell me about yours.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's this place, it's called the International Owl Center. My little one who's 12 is obsessed with owls and I can never remember if his favorite is the barred owl or the barn owl, which are completely different owls. And if you're ever around him, do not say the wrong one because it is (laughs) not acceptable. So the first half an hour, we basically learned all of the different owl sounds, owl calls. And it was so funny. I mean, I could just imagine if you were like it, it, I mean, you would not even have believed how funny it was. There were about like 10 different owl calls. So we were all, it was like a, I don't know, 12 to 14 of us. And we were just like, ha-hoo, ha-hoo, yee, yee, Arrah! Like, I don't even know. It went on and on. Wow. And so once Joe, our fearless leader, Felt like we were ready to go out into the world. We were like basically caravanning, like 10 different cars. And our family, we were laughing so hard because the whole thing was so funny. And it was just, I think, one of the funniest parts for me was that you don't realize how ADHD your whole family is (laughs) until you show up and you're supposed to be absolutely silent in the dark they don't want you wearing clothes that shuffle and it's like so i gave my beautiful children um adhd and weak ankles and the weak ankles held up just fine for this owl prowl but we were standing there in the dark. Everyone was expecting absolute perfect silence and we could not stop. Like, and you guys already know I can like barely sit still. Picture I am like, aware me of that. as a 12 and 14 year old boy. So we were standing in the dark and then Joe, who was amazing, was calling out to the owls. Woohoo! Woohoo! And we would all have to sit there silently waiting what felt like 25 minutes, but it was probably just three minutes. And we went to three different places. The first one was a bust. And then we got back into the car. We still, we were freezing, but we laughed the whole way to the next one because the whole thing was so ridiculous and hilarious. And then the second one, same thing, silent. We were just like shuffling. I could hear their eyelashes flutter and them smacking their lips and their coats, all the rustling. Gave up, went back to the car. And then all of a sudden, my husband came up to the car and he was like, you guys, there's stuff happening. And so we opened up the doors. There was hooting and hooting and they were calling back to each other. There was a lot of owl action. The third one, I decided that because we were so ADHD and shuffly and loud that we would stay in the car because we didn't want to bother anybody else. So all of the windows were down except for one which was the driver's side. Rob leaves to go listen with the rest of the people standing right across the street from our car. It's perfect silence. And I wanted to get closer and closer. I couldn't quite hear, couldn't quite hear. So I decided I was just going to open my car door. And so the alarm went off and I was like, the loud, It was just oh, like this no. perfect silent creation. All of a sudden, my car alarm was like, honk, honk, honk. And I scared all the owls away, and that was how our story ended.
0: Wow. That sounds very exciting. Um, you know, and it's funny how many people are so into owls. Both of my kids are into owls. And so we did a an owl sort of expedition at a, a resort called Terranea in Southern California. It was absolutely stunning. And so this guy just kind of brought out all these owls from under tables. And then we went to an owl cafe in Japan uh, on a a family trip a couple years ago, which was fascinating because you walk in and you just get to interact with these owls. So I'm kind of fascinated. I won't go into detail, but I know it's amazing. It's amazing. But it's so cool that our, our, you know, I think my older daughter is probably more into the owl category, but my younger likes all birds. So anyway, Very cool.
2: Magical. So fun.
1: All right. Are you ready for the mailbag today?
0: We are. We you don't have any owl. Ready. You don't have any owl connection, Greg?
1: No, I don't have any owl connection. Uh, you no, know, nothing. My, my dog, when I was growing up, uh, treated opossum.
0: Ooh, <laughs> no. that's really not related. Um, no. It is not an owl <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Treat not at all. Treat a possum. You are treat from Texas, a possum. aren't you? Yeah. 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 We do possums here too. Anyway, go ahead. All right. I'd love to do a mailbag.
1: So this is, this is something that happened last year. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, so, but it was a story that, that came through, um, that we found from somebody that was having a relationship issue that I thought might be interesting for us to talk about, especially as the holidays come up. Great. And, uh, when I go through the story at the end, I'm also going to provide additional color that came up later. Um, just so that you have some additional context, which I think you may find relevant. Okay. So a little bit of background, the um, individual's name is Sherry and she is Asian. Her significant other is European and they were currently living in Asia, um, but not the country that she's originally from and met there five years ago. And there, as the relationship progressed extremely fast and they were inseparable ever since they met, um, he traveled quite a bit for work and he does have his own private time, but you know he travels quite a bit, so he's not always there. Um, she said he came back on Saturday, the 21st, after a 10-day work trip and brought his dad from Europe to here. Everything was normal. Um, on Sunday, the 22nd, we had our usual brunch. By the way, this was last December. On okay. On Sunday, the 22nd, we had our usual brunch. Then he went hiking with his dad. I stayed home. Then he came back and told me he has something very serious he needs to tell me And it's hard for him to do this. So he proceeded to tell me that he wasn't happy in our relationship in a long time. And during this recent work trip, everyone he met has been telling him he looks great, do some weight loss, but seems unhappy. Also, he sees me more as a best friend than a lover. And this relationship seems to have reached a dead end and he wants to take a break and separate. I was in absolute shock because we had been talking about relocating to my home country in February and had a plan to have children. We even went to Australia just a week ago to look at property that we were interested in buying. also just had a conference call with the interior designer that he hired for renovating my place in my home country. Um, so all of our text calls, interactions have been very lovey-dovey as always. There were no signs that this was coming at all. My first reaction was, okay, how do we fix this? Marriage counseling, um, discussion. He immediately shut that down, said so he doesn't trust therapists. The only solution he sees now is to take a break, separate so he can find himself and be happy again. Basically, he informs me of his decision and robs me of any participation in it. Mm-hmm. It's been three, d- three days now since this bomb dropped on me. I spent the 24th and 25th at a hotel because I simply can't have Christmas dinner with them in a home that I set up, I decorated and um, with everything that I made and tried to make a special you know, experience for them. Um, It's been, I'm incredibly grateful that I have a strong support network uh, with my, my friends, my family, and people that have listened to help me figure out what's next. I've been a housewife for two years and my life pretty much revolves around him. I'm still not sure how to approach this in the best way. Now, there's some additional context that he told her later, and that was that he felt he needed to do something to make himself happy and that he feels like he's always trying to do that for her. He was having issues letting go with the fact that he made a business investment that he wanted her to run. It was a fast food franchise shop, and he had to sell it at a loss because she wasn't able to handle all of it. And she told him many times she could only do like paperwork and stuff. she didn't she couldn't run the, the establishment and that there were, that was a source of friction for him. He blamed her for not trying hard and thought that she could have done better. Um, He doesn't know if he wants a baby anymore, and he thinks that she won't be a good mother because she didn't try hard in the business. So Mm -hmm. why would she do that with a baby? And he's not sure of who he is anymore. Um, And he had an epiphany that he doesn't want to relocate, and he wants to stay where he is. And so those were the further reasons that he decided to act that way, that act that way. So what are your thoughts on her situation that she had last
0: year? There's a ton there and you know mm-hmm. uh boy there's a part of me that really wants to say you might be really benefiting from having him say this now versus five years into your relationship. And you almost describe this codependent sort of people pleaser if he wasn't paying attention to his own identity, if he was kind of going along with what the decision looked like that was maybe more storybook or romantic and not necessarily listening and going deep into, into his own internal experience to figure this out. The interesting piece about it is we never quite know when somebody makes these decisions about leaving a relationship. We don't know if they're going to later regret it. Um, and I don't think in this situation it's likely he'll regret it. And I'm also struck by that. He had this sort of a disclosure after a hike with his dad, um, in which he probably was telling his dad kind of where he was at and probably got some reinforcement to set that boundary. But I think at the end of the day, I kind of, you know, I, I reinforce that people kind of listen to where people are at at the moment, right? And if that's where he's at, and if he's not ready, then you don't want to go forward with somebody who's not ready and a hundred percent on board. So like, in terms of what you do, you've offered the couples therapy. And I, I will tell you something. I think sometimes people are just done and they do have this epiphany. I'm not sure I caught the, uh, how old he was because I think developmentally, was there an age, Greg?
1: Yeah. She's 33 and he's 36.
0: Okay. I actually think that's really profound and significant. I will tell you, mm-hmm. I think every decade of our life, I kind of smile because when people turn 20, there's a big kind of awareness. When people turn 30, when people turn 40. So he is nearing that age that people sometimes think of as over the hill or midlife. And so he's nearing that age. And, and a lot of us do that. I did it as well. I changed a lot of pieces of my life. Uh, around thirty nine, forty. my forties were the best years of my life because of it, because I found myself and I, I started getting really honest about some pieces about what I needed. So I think he's doing that. And I say, give him his space, work very hard to do the best you can. I love that you have a support system in place, but this is a real opportunity for you to not only not be in a relationship that's ambivalent and uncertain and very unlikely to give you what you need long-term if he's really not sure who he is and what he wants. And boy, uh, having a a child that was born in Vietnam, a move to Asia is beautiful, beautiful. uh, Vietnam is absolutely my favorite country I've ever visited. Um, It is a big move. And so moving away from a lot of what it is that you know uh, and is familiar to you is a big risk. And would have really required you two to be on the same page. So I feel like you're you're somewhat maybe skirting a disaster here by, by letting him kind of figure out who he is. And I think if he's not up to therapy, which, by the way, I think people say all the time, I don't trust therapists just to avoid doing their work. So I mm-hmm. call bullshit on that. But, you know, because not all therapists are the same. And if he had a bad experience, he should try another one where he doesn't have a bad experience. So I think there's a part of this that I, I think at the end of the day, uh, you got to let go because and, and really start formulating what your own personal goals are, both personally and professionally and work on those.
2: It seems really tragic. I mean, the part that I hate about this is like it, it breaks my heart when I hear about couples that have been together for so long and absolutely adore each other. And then all of a sudden somebody's done rather than I'm feeling unhappy. Can we work on it? It's, I'm yep. feeling unhappy. Should have said this five years ago. Can't get out of this fast enough. Don't even try to change anything. Please just let me go. <clears throat> it's just such a dead end and it's just impossible. And and Greg, just like you said, it took away her right to even have a conversation about it. Like the decision was made. I also think that sometimes it's so easy to stay in a relationship that is okay, not amazing and not really ask ourselves the hard questions until there's going to be some huge need for a relocation or do we want to have kids or are we moving or how much money are we putting into this business or this new home or whatever it is. And so I feel like there were so many of those impending changes at the same time That's probably what woke him up for better or for worse. And I'm glad also that it happened as devastating as it must be. Much better to have it happen now than you're already on the plane and he doesn't come with you or you're six months pregnant and he tells you, you know what, this whole thing has been a horrible mistake. I don't actually want to relocate. I don't actually want to have children It sounds like he's having some sort of a renaissance that like he wants to maybe do a bit of a do-over. See what if he opened this path at this doorway, what would that look like? Everyone's telling me I'm, you know, handsome. I lost some weight. Like what Who else is out there for me? It's really hard to come back from that. Um, I do think it was like a case of cold feet in some ways. And also like when you wake up and you don't know if you want to spend the rest of your life in a shared vision of what you thought you had with somebody in an ideal world, that awakening just begs for a conversation like, Hey, I love you. You're my person. We've been together for such a long time. Can we talk about this? I'm really feeling skittish. I have cold feet. I know I said, yes, I know I was all in, but now I don't even know if I want to have kids. This may or may not work, but can we have a conversation about that? I don't know if I want to live in Asia. I don't, you know, and it's just because in an ideal world, people are growing together. We change all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like something got derailed on his end. And I'm so sorry. There, I don't think there's anything you can do except for let him go.
0: You know, and it's interesting, Talia, you said, you know, you feel heartbroken when these relationships end that have been together for a while. I probably have a very different take on that because I do think that people grow and I do think that people develop. And I think I, I, I again, I almost find it at the decade time when, when that somehow has mm-hmm. internalized that we're supposed to do something at, in our thirties or our forties or our fifties, um, or 60s or 70s. But I think there's a part where I'm not heartbroken if people are being honest and people are being respectful and people are being regarding of the person that they're in a relationship with. Because like you said, there's a lot of people who stay in mediocrity and stay in really unsatisfactory circumstances. And I think that's a waste of time. Um, I may have referenced this in a previous podcast. I, you know, My uh, filmmaker daughter out in LA, um, I told her she should write a script about marriages that last 10 years in duration. And mm-hmm. then at 10 years, you get to decide what to do. You can either stay in the relationship or you can leave the relationship, but there's no harm, no foul. There's no big legal matters, but you each kind of sign on the dotted line another 10 years or not. Anyway, you know, I think kids would obviously complicate that, but I think people get to do what is right for them. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not big on anybody sticking obviously in a situation and there's something about this epiphany. Um, and, you know, I appreciate one of the things I, I didn't reference right away was the, the body change. I think sometimes, and I think you know, at least a couple of us in this room can identify with this, where our bodies change. We might be working out differently. We might shave our head, get a goatee, get some teeth done, um, and then that's we have. That's me. A Are you talking about me? I am totally talking about you. Aside from <laughs> other things that you've had done, uh, we'll reference that at another time. But it's I think there's a part
2: of- <laughs> and my veneers.
0: That was a little obvious, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, so so I, I want to say thank you to doctors where my teeth. Anyway, uh, what I want to say about this is it does change your social experience. You know, it changes who you are. It changes. And, I, and what, I, what I love for a lot of people, and I, I, I can tell you that that was my case when I did some physical changes and I started taking better care of myself. I found myself feeling more like me. Like I just found mm-hmm. myself feeling more confident about who I was. And it felt like I was finally in the circumstances in my life that were accurate to who I was, and were honest to who I was, and I've been happy ever since. Um, and sometimes, uh, regretfully, it means people are are going to have to leave relationships, which of course hurts. And so, I think there's an element here of, of course, uh, there could be a lot of reasons for this, but I wouldn't overanalyze it. Just take it for what it is.
1: So, Doug, I, I'm actually kind of struck by the fact that you said <laughs> that it's over. You know, I because especially with the additional information that came through. Um, they're clearly for being together for five years, they were, by by the way, they were married for two and under the end of that, um, they've been together a while. So you would have expected that they would have talked about children and clearly they they had talked about children, but then just to flip and change that means maybe they talked, but maybe they didn't really talk. Maybe they didn't really connect. So when, when you say it's over, do you think it's worth still trying to have a, even a discussion? Beyond that, or do you, are there just so many of these things you you just you're just like, no, this is completely done. It's not worth like this is a walk away situation.
0: There is something really profound about how resistant he is to that conversation, mm-hmm. and you know there are times I one hundred percent think there are one hundred percent think that there are times when people do later retract their decision making. But, you know, I find myself thinking, so what is she going to do? Just keep saying, no, you really do want to do therapy or no, we really, you really should give this another shot. Like the more she pressures him at a time when he's saying no. And really what I got from that, that question of hers is that he's saying no to therapy. No, I'm not interested. No, I don't want to move to Asia. No, I don't want kids. And I don't know, by the way, he said, I don't know who I am. Like I'm figuring Mm -hmm. out who I am. All of those things together. That's a nightmare for her. Like, what is she going to do? How many years is she going to wait for him to figure out kind of what he wants? And I understand that there's a real propensity to want to give it a go. And after all of that time together and all of that discussion, you know, even the conversation about interior designers and, you know, all that sort of thing. I'm like, I think he was going with the flow and doing what it is that I think he thought was best for his relationship and her and not paying attention to himself. And again, I think people do that who are people pleasers or codependent and taking care of other people at the expense of themselves, which is a mistake to do. And you can't change that. So I do think, Greg, the cluster of things, I think it's time. And, you know, maybe it's not done. Maybe he'll come back and we can say, okay, let's talk about this. But at this point, when he keeps saying no, go ahead.
2: One of the things that I ask my couples when they come in for the very first session I will ask them how much energy, how much blood, sweat and tears do you have in you to pour into this work to keep your relationship alive, healthy? Like how much do you have to give? Yeah. And whatever the answer is of the least interested person is over the last 20 years is what I have found the level of hope we should have is
0: yeah and so right. if
2: both members of the couple are saying like yeah we're broken we're hurt but they're my everything i have a lot to give that couple's gonna make it that couple's tell, gonna make it
0: i'll tell but you something ty if ahead. someone
2: says they're tired yeah and they they don't have any energy it's over like we might as well stop right there
0: I Don't, agree with ahead. you. And I would say almost all clients that come in for therapy together and they both come willingly and, and eagerly to work. I oftentimes will say, you know, what's what well, on a scale of one to 10, I'll, I I do a Likert scale and people will say 10, right? Yeah. Um, and I got, I got to tell you the client, every once in a while I get a client who's like, uh, one or two, I'm like, get out of my office. Like, yeah, you know, you're, was- you're wasting, you're wasting this work. hour because if you're not motivated, you're not going to talk. And I remember one person of a couple that I was working with. They, they just didn't say anything. They wouldn't engage at all. And I, I finally said, what are you doing here? And I'm not somebody who minces words. Therapy is expensive. People are paying a lot of money for that 55 minutes that they spend with us each, each week or every other week. And so I'm not here to waste time with people. And if you're not in the mode to do this, if you're at least interested in trying, that's great, because some people are very afraid of this process and getting honest. And I tell people, you've got to be entirely transparent and honest and disclosing of what's going on for you, or this is not happening. I remember also, by the way, the funniest story, uh, that one of the funny stories I have is that I asked these clients, like, how's your sexual relationship? And one of them said, that's really personal. And I said, did you forget where you are? Like, of course, <laughs> this is... <laughs> So it, it, it kind of speaks to the discomfort that some people have with being in a therapy office, but you're right, Talia, that That's motivation, right. that level That's of motivation right. is a big key indicator as to it's where this willingness. There's and he's like, not willing. Like,
2: right. There's like a willingness piece in therapy, at least that is the common factor in getting better, getting closer, getting more connected. There has to be a willingness or else there's one person dragging another person and they're just going to use that time to prove that there's nothing there.
0: And this dude is saying, I'm not interested.
2: No, he wants, I also think it's possible that he might still love her, But there's something happening either. Okay, one of two possibilities. That business piece, we never talked about that business piece. It is possible. I don't know if it's the reason, but it is possible that he didn't realize that it was a high need for him, not a desire, but a need that their relationship, that their marriage morph into a business relationship where they're both you know, making a lot of money. Maybe he doesn't want her to be a stay at home wife. Maybe he wants her to take on these parts of the business and that his vision for the future was really more about them being business partners and like creating an empire. And she was picturing something a lot more domestic. And so when she kind of, I don't know if she dropped the ball or if she was just really honest that that's not her jam, um, that may have broken something for him that he doesn't even know how to put his finger on, which is sad, right? There was never a conversation about it. But if he literally said, I don't think you're going to be a good mother because you didn't put a lot of energy into this piece of, you know, this business venture that you were supposed to take on, that's harsh.
0: I think it's harsh. I also don't think that's what that was about. Like that felt like an unfair under the belt comment.
2: Totally, he just wants it to be over.
1: Talia, I really liked what you said about the effort, and I think that's something we should we should highlight here. Um, you know, going out in the dating world as, as I am right now, one of the things yeah. I'm I, I'm it's, How's that it's going like, for
0: you, Greg.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'd like to know details about effort and.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, do, we'll cover a whole podcast on that. You know, like will we? 10, 10, okay. 10, ten years from now.
0: You keep avoiding um, this question. <laughs>
1: But one of the one of the questions I have for people is you know I want to know their dating history. I want to, I want to understand their dating yeah. resume and it, it it's in my top 3 of things that that drives me crazy when they tell me oh we just drifted apart. I'm like so what kind how of effort were happen? you putting in? How how exactly did you allow that to happen and are you going to put in the same amount of time and effort with me that you would put in that previously like wh- where are you on that and how did that actually you know go off the rails? And and some of that is a little unfair, I'll be completely honest. It's unfair because there are other circumstances, other people involved, you know, and you can't project what happened with one situation to another.
2: I don't know. But Greg, still... I love it. I I think that's a very fair question. And I do feel like the way you do something is the way you do everything. However, what we don't know is if the people that you're talking to, if it was like really their partner that was drifting away and that they tried, or if they also are a bit of a drifter when they get a little bored, they're not putting as much into the relationship. I think you're spot on to, Ask. I don't,
0: I think you're spot on to ask. <laughs> I think you're not spot on to assume that they will do it again. I think that's an error because I think we grow. I think we mature. I think there are people, I mean, you know, I, I think the question that ultimately is there. And I think maybe this is the question that I would encourage you to ask in that situation. Like, what would you do if you started drifting in this relationship? That's a fair question.
2: And it's an opportunity chance, to grow. Yeah. Right. If you're having that conversation.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Well, and if it starts to drift and then, you know, you should be engaged in those check-ins, which is sort of like the second thing I want to bring up is, you know, we get very busy and I have, you know, executive clients where we're talking about business stuff. We're talking about their efforts that they're putting in to grow their business or to change careers or, you know, wherever they are. Inevitably it does. They do bring up the stuff with the soccer practices and the time with their, their, their significant other. And I, I, I always need to ask about where that ranks in their order and, and are mm-hmm. they putting time in there too? Because we only have so much time to give and we have conflicting priorities that we're rebalancing all the time.
2: So true. If,
1: if your relationship really is important, it, you should be somewhere near the top or at least have effort that is put in in communication around that effort and, Doug, I think you mentioned it earlier. It's a common problem.
0: It's It's a really common common. problem. I also would say that, you know, we did a a podcast recently on communication, I think. Um, I, I get confused as to when. But when we talked about communication, like we talked about that exact thing, Greg. And we also talked about how people have different needs related to their relationships and there isn't a cookie cutter. So I might even resist the idea that a relationship also needs to be always needs to be at the top. And as a, a, a person who has raised two kids, as a, a person who's not married, I would say, you know, my kids were absolutely my priority. Anybody who mm-hmm. dated me knew, uh, my, my kids hockey game or cello recital or, uh, you know, whatever else, you know, my kids were always going to be first. Um, and some people did really well with that. And some people said, that's not going to work for me. And I'm like, Ta da. This is bringing Um, up
2: such an important question that has nothing to do with the mailbag, but it is. It's like when you're dating and you're a single parent. Oh, yeah. Like, and you might be dating somebody who doesn't have kids, who, like, how do we navigate that? That is so hard because I would say that if there is a parent who's not prioritizing their kids, they might not be that great to date like you want somebody
0: <laughs> oh it's funny you like, say that Talia yeah and, and that as, has and a I
2: great think- relationship with their kids or that isn't drifting away from commitments that they've made five 10 15 years ago because they're not as like fun and juicy and sexy as like going out and grabbing a cocktail with some hot young guy.
0: Well, and it's interesting, right? Because as a gay man, uh, the gay community, you know, at least in the past, given my generation, what it is, you know, we didn't have a lot of those of us who had kids. I'm one of the only, you know, there were a lot of people who had kids, but not a lot. Like it wasn't the majority. Whereas I think the young gay crowd and lesbian crowd is definitely being able uh, to access Mm -hmm. parenting a little bit differently. Thank God, because it's an amazing Mm -hmm. thing. And we are as we are as parental and we are as inclined to be parents as anybody else on this planet. A thousand percent right and so the the reality was i oftentimes found people i mean i got called breeder for a while uh mm-hmm. back in the uh, nineties when I came out because, you know, I was, I was somewhat of a novelty within the gay community, uh, cause, cause I had chosen that route. Uh, and I would never, ever in a million years, it's the best thing I've ever done. It's the favorite thing of my life. My kids center and balance my life. They are the core reason for my, you know, kind of, uh, joy in this life. So the reality is I, I think there's a, a difficulty with it, but I, you know, Talia to go to your point. I mean, I ended up dating and just saying, this is what it is. This is never going to change. Right. It will, well, and, and also it,
2: the thing about being a single parent, unless you have an ex-partner that is not in the picture at all, what right. that usually means is that 50% of the time you're free to do what you want. I mean, give or take. It's a very great area. But yeah. um, it, I don't know. I feel like th- these are all just good conversations to have. I think that you can be a single parent and be a fabulous partner and, have more than enough space in your life for companionship and connection. I don't think that should be an issue at all.
0: Well, and Greg, going to your comment um, about, you know, where the priority li- lands, that's really about just asking for what you need and seeing what the other person responds with. Which again, going back to the the actual write-in, uh, the mailbag, the reality is he's saying, no, I'm not interested in talking about this. I've, I'm re-questioning all of it. And boy, if I were her, I would be like, okay, I got to take all that in. That's right. Um, As hard as it is, because those emotions are going to be all over the place related to grief and loss and curiosity and like, what the hell happened here? And you may not know if he can't tell you.
1: Any final thoughts?
0: Yes, of course. Um, I, I just want to put three out there. Like I would say, you know, by all means, listen to what he's saying and take it in and allow him to have his process and don't try to change his mind. Don't try to analyze like maybe he doesn't really mean this or whatnot. Um, Just take him at face value at this point, because I think it's going to drive you crazy to try to figure out if there's some hidden meaning or something he's not really meaning that he's saying. Um, I would also say that this is a tremendous opportunity for Sherry to focus on herself and reevaluate her own goals and whether she still wants to move and whether she wants to have a, have a baby and, you know, just a lot of different decisions that you get to make for yourself. And you have no reason not to live to your full potential. Um, you don't need a man for that. So number t- number three, I would say, you know, this grief process that you're in, um, let those feelings come up and talk to your support network, get a therapist if you need to, but these feelings are hard. And I always tell people, you know, Sadness and hurt and pain and distress, it will not kill you. You just have to let those feelings come and, and try to sit with them and learn ways of soothing yourself versus relying on him to do that. My best beautifully,
2: to you. Beautifully said. I mean, the one piece as I'm channeling Sherry right now, I'm just thinking that this might land as a trauma legitimately for sure. you um, because of the out-of-nowhere Just derailing of this relationship, the blindsiding nature of it usually World upside down, yep. Yes, and it leaves people feeling like, I can't trust my own instincts. I can't trust what I know to be true. I can't trust a partner. You say you're going to be here and then you disappear. So if you didn't already have some anxious attachment and abandonment issues... Well, now you do probably. So I'm going to suggest therapy all the way. We're not as scary as we seem. It would be so good for you to talk through that and to even just be thinking about like, were there red flags? How do I have these conversations? Just like Greg, like you were saying in the future, or like like you were just saying, like in the future, I'm going to be having these conversations with all of my future partners to make sure I will never be blindsided in this exact way again. And I feel like everybody needs to have these weekly conversations, like what's working, what's not, or yeah. quarterly, go on a little like weekend together and just talk about... Go on and, an
0: owl retreat.
2: Go on an owl prowl <laughs> retreat. And by the way, Doug, Greg, don't you feel like we should do some of these retreats of like couples that need to talk through some of these things and figure out what's working, what's not working? Are you wanting to learn some new skills to make this relationship amazing I'm or not? Do you mean for the three
0: of us or do you mean for those? And the
2: owls. For the three, I I don't know. I'm feeling good about our thruple right now. Huh. How about Oof. you?
0: Okay, thruple. <laughs> I'm not sure I can use that word. So, if Sherry, it's we feel for you. Definitely, definitely. Best of luck.
2: Best of luck to you.
0: Take care.
1: Have a question for Doug or Talia? Email us your questions at Were dot com. Eligible questions will be randomly selected for upcoming episodes. For details, visit our website at we'renotfine.com.
2: Join us every Tuesday for new conversations, new challenging topics, and fun.